fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Welcome to FGGBT. Now, this is the show where we take your favorite fictional science and technology and we make it a reality. We are the Brain Trust. I am the analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn, with me. The physics phenom, Dr. Michael Denon. Dan, it is great to be here. It's really interesting, this episode. You know, I know you focus on taking fictional technology. I, I hope our listeners are not confused. Archery is not fictional, Dan. No, that you're very, that's very true. And I think the lack of fiction is going to be a theme throughout this episode. I don't want to tip our hand just yet, then, but I think you're on to something here. And, you know, there's there's a member of our group who's always on to something and up to something, and that's our enigmatic engineer, Ben Siebser. Ben, where are you broadcasting from this week? Well, there's definitely something up here. I am in Rockefeller Center. The world-famous Christmas tree has collapsed, and a man dressed in purple who kind of looks like the guy in your background there, Dan, uh, he's fallen out of the tree. I hope he's okay, but you know, maybe he's up to something. I, I don't really know. Well, you, you got to stay on top of this because I think you may have had a Hawkeye sighting. Uh, and now this episode, you know, we talked about archery, Denon. This episode is both inspired by your archery skills, but also by the TV show Hawkeye. And I'm hoping my goal at the end of this episode is for people to whatever Avenger you think is your favorite. By the end of this episode, you will be convinced that it is actually Hawkeye. Oh, I think that's a really, really good point, Dan, because, of course, I don't really think of Spider-Man as an Avenger. He's only sort of like an honorary one at times. So I'm willing to support that approach. Well, I think, you know, one of the things, the key to this is that, you know, when you look at the Avengers, Hawkeye doesn't fit the traditional mold. And I think that's why people tend to forget about him. He's just a normal guy, right? He's in a, in, a, in a class of people who have incredible superpowers. You got Tony Stark with his incredible brain and his weapons uh, and his armor. You got the Hulk with the natural ability. Well, not natural. I guess it's not natural at all. Uh, with the ability to, you know, turn into a gigantic smash him up, smash him up machine. You've got Thor, who's a god. You've, you know, the aforementioned Spider-Man. Uh, whether you believe he's an engineer or not, he can stick on walls. That part is undeniable. So, you know, you're looking at a great graduating class here, and I think when you look at Hawkeye, you don't see much. And I think that's why he doesn't get the respect he deserves. But I'm guessing, Denon, given your love of archery, you got to have a different view of him. Oh, you know, I think he's awesome. And I think, uh, you know, my thing with here, superheroes is I tend to support the most realistic. Hawkeye clearly is one of the most grounded in realism. You know, the archery is an interesting piece. And I, that's why I'm really looking forward to breaking down these arrows and his shooting skills one by one. Well, now let me get, Ben, I want to get your opinion on Hawkeye mm -hmm. because I want to see if I can change it or if you're with me on this. Or are you on the fence with Denon looking to land one way or the other? Well, I, I already love Hawkeye because of the purple. Purple's mm -hmm. basically my favorite color. Hawkeye wears purple, at least in the in this, in this show. I, I'm, I'm disappointed he didn't have the purple clothes in uh, Avengers. But I guess, you know, he was still in his, like, spy mode, whatever going on. Yeah. But I just like him because it's cool. He's got a bow. He's a regular guy, but he's there. He's working for the cause and he's, you know, he, he wants to help too. And he's stepping up to help even without the superpowers. And that's what inspires Kate Bishop in this show is here's a normal guy doing an abnormal thing, saving the world. And you got to respect that. 
I completely agree with you. And I, you must be a big Prince fan because I don't know if you know this or not. He loves purple as well. Um, Absolutely. So, so that is your only qualification. <laughs> Prince is definitely uh, on your musical list. But here, I'm going to give you my, my argument here for Hawkeye. And this is not necessarily for you two, but this is for the audience at large because I think he is the most BA of all the Avengers because he shouldn't be an Avenger. He's a normal guy with no powers and he's using an antique weapon. And he's not even, I mean, this weapon was like the first projectile weapon ever created in, in humankind, in, in, in humanity, right? There's no way he should be an Avenger, Avenger and yet he is. I'm going to give you guys an example here. Let's look at the NBA. There's this great draft class uh, that, that had, these are all NBA players. Uh, David Robinson, a Hall of Famer. Reggie Miller, one of the greatest shooters of all time. Scottie Pippen, you may know him if you like the Bulls and Jordan, or he had the run, one of the best defenders of all time. Kevin Johnson, who was on the Suns, who became the mayor of Sacramento up until four years ago. And a guy by the name of Muggsy Bogues. Muggsy Bogues, what's so special about him? Well, he shouldn't have been an NBA player. The guy was five foot three, five foot, five foot three inches tall. Everyone that I mentioned there is over six foot six, six foot six, I believe. Uh, and he spent 14 seasons in the NBA. Muggsy Bogues is one of the most incredible underdog stories of all time. And I think in some ways, Hawkeye is the greatest underdog story in comic book history because even Batman has a lot of weapons but he's got money he's got incredible engineering he's got lots of armor Hawkeye doesn't have any of that all he has is a bow and arrow how do you got I mean am I selling you guys on this am I overselling it am I underselling it what do you think well, Dan, I think, as you know, you already had us yeah. convinced there was just this minor qualification on my side of whether Spider-Man was an Avenger or not. Um, <laughs> but I do think, you know, you you pointed out something that I think is fascinating to me, is that the bow not only was an amazing engineering feat when it was first invented, uh, but it remains an ongoing engineering feat. Um, with all of its modern improvements. I mean, there are purists who feel that that's not a good thing, but it is still an incredible example of materials engineering and physics. And I would say it is the optimal physics weapon from a physics perspective. I mean, the guns are nice and guns do a lot of stuff, and we'll probably talk about that, the yeah. comparison. But from a purely physics sort of transfer of momentum and energy point of view, it is amazing how well optimized a bow is. Mm -hmm. So uh, just the, the general choice of bow, I absolutely love. Well, I think it's also impressive to look at Hawkeye because he's not using the latest kind of bow. I mean, yeah, it's cool. It's collapsible. It's clearly made out of some fascinating materials. But it's not a compound bow. It doesn't have the cams and all this other stuff. It's still just a regular recurve bow. So it shows that not only is he great aim, does he have great aim, but he also has great strength because you there's no there's no mechanical advantage on that bow. It's just raw brute power that Hawkeye has. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's got a lot in, in, in common with Legolas. He's got more in common with Legolas than he does with Tony Stark. <laughs> 
You know, I mean, that's what's yeah. so interesting about it. And you mentioned, you know, guns versus arrows. They're both projectile weapons. You know, we're going to come back to that tech tree, then, and I'm glad I'm glad we, we covered that because on the tech tree, guns are way down the list. You start out with, you know, I guess throwing a rock might be the first projectile. <laughs> oh, maybe a sharpened stick is number two. Yeah, and then the sling yeah. and the, you yeah, know, the, the spear thrower, yeah. the, the spears yeah. and stuff. You, but. You move, yeah, you move along, but, you know, rock may have been first and then bow comes along, you know, after that. And and then you got and then you've got guns. And, you know, one of the things that I thought was really interesting to me as a kid learning physics was I remember having this teacher who who um, came up with this question where if you had a bullet in your hand at the same height as a gun and you dropped the bullet, what do you think would land first? The bullet you shot out of the gun or the bullet you dropped next to the gun? And of course, the answer is they both land at the exact same time. Uh, uh, but that, to me, blew my mind because obviously the, the trajectories are, are extraordinarily different. Uh, but it's that speed and power that makes guns so useful. And in some ways, you, you just don't have that level of speed and power when it comes to the bow. But, you know, people still use bows, then and you use a bow. So what do you think about that comparison and archery and it being a viable, you know, viable sport today? Well, you know, I think it comes down to a couple of different things. Um, it really depends on the use you're putting it to. Let's admit a bow is way quieter than a gun. Now, you can put a silencer on a gun, but that can affect its accuracy at times and its trajectory. Um, there, There is also a lot of times where the bullet is just really overkill, Dan. Um, or underkill. It's so small where it hits, the damage it does may not be quite the same as the damage you do if you put a particular arrowhead on something and are taking out a larger area of damage. Um, and so there are trade-offs back and forth between the two. Um, there is, I think the biggest advantage a gun can get at times is rapid fire because we've made them automatic and semi-automatic. So a bow ultimately depends on your speed of, of shooting it, obviously. Um, but then on the flip side of that, right, I think there is the fact that the arrows are way more recoverable. Um, pretty much you use a bullet, you use it once. Um, and so there is, there is just, I think there's a lot depending on what you want to do. And as we'll see with Hawkeye, it is way easier to engineer arrows that do interesting things, which I'm assuming, Ben, is one of your fascinating and most um, um, enjoyable part of the archery over the gun. Am I right on that? Absolutely. But I think you're also leaving out the very important point that a bullet will not hold your hand your hand against a wall when you get shot with it like a bow will <laughs> like an arrow will you know that is true the the bow is 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 amazing as an immobilizer in the sense that you can stick somebody to something with it which you can't do with a uh, with a bullet so i got to give hawkeye some credit for being able to use a weapon like that cuz it, it's not just it's multi-purpose, I guess, is the best way to say it. Well, and I think that that's a good point because it takes a lot, you know, Denon, as as a, you know, as an archer, I get, you're an archer. Can I call you that? Yes, yeah, I am yeah, an, archer. an archer. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, but, but you yeah. know, as an archer, you have to know that the the accuracy is the hard part, right? Because 
as I mentioned in my dropping the bullet example, when you shoot an arrow, you can actually watch it fall a little bit as it goes. You know, you're not pulling it hard <laughs> enough where you're not going to see that parabola, uh, to use a, a fancy mathematic and physics term. You're not going to see that. I remember when I was, um, even when I was uh, playing paintball one time, uh, the time I got actually blasted in, right between the eyes. Luckily, I, I had a mask on, but I remembered my whole life flashed before my eyes because if that was a real bullet, I would be dead. That's a whole nother story uh, that, that, <laughs> that changed my life. But the point that I'm trying to make is that when I saw that when I would shoot a paintball, you can still kind of watch them make that little, you know, they come out of your gun and then they fall down a little bit. You know, you can see that little curve uh, with a with a gun. You don't really see that. But my point is, is that accuracy becomes very tricky, especially as you get further and further away from your target. And as you mentioned, Ben, to do that immobilize that hand immobilizing shot, you've got to be extraordinarily accurate. So the argument I would make is that Hawkeye's superpower is his incredible accuracy. But how do we achieve that? That is way harder to do with a bow and arrow than it is with a gun, as Denon, I'm sure that, that you can prove every day you go to the archery range. Well, it, it is and it isn't, Dan. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back a little bit on some of the comments <laughs> you made, right? So it, it's certainly true at incredible long distances, you know, a rifle, um, particularly a, a, you know, sniper rifle is going to win out. But when you look at people who are being very accurate with guns, they are dealing with all of the recoil, all of the mm. interesting things that can interact. You know, the accuracy is achieved with really, really uh, important sights um, and leveling things up. The, the bullet is very small, right? <laughs> and the other thing about bullets that's interesting, as was proven by Mythbusters, is they are small in the physics. They really always just travel in straight lines, no matter what you do, right? I think with the arrow, you have more options for your okay. aim and right. accuracy. You have more physics that can come in. So it, it it is incredible at all. If you watch an arrow come off a bow, which I have done, um, and my bow is a low enough poundage that you can often see it, the bending and flipping of the arrow before it stabilizes is amazing that the physics ever works, but it does. <laughs> and so you can get incredibly accurate yeah. with the bow. And then you can also do actual interesting aerodynamics because the arrow is longer. It has feathers. You can actually get some interesting motions. And you even could imagine doing things where you get arrows to curve in interesting ways, like a curveball in baseball, that you can't do with a bullet. So I think there's more variation with the bow, Dan. And I don't know. Guns, they have recoil. They shake. They vibrate. Um, I think, you know, you are you have a lot of the same accuracy issues with a gun as you do with a bow. And they can get clogged as well. You're not going to get, your, your bow and arrow is not going to get clogged in misfire. It's not going to get clogged, yeah. So I, I, think, I think the bottom line, though, you said is correct. It takes hours and hours to, to get the accuracy of Hawkeye, um, millions upon hours, and just amazing sort of biological muscle memory. I mean, I can be fairly accurate at 10 yards, maybe at 20 um, so people are really have to get close, which would make you very nervous um, fighting bad guys to wait to they're 10 or 20 <laughs> yards away from you to hit them. Dad, I, I love that you mentioned the curve part because that what's most fascinating to me, which I know you're very familiar with, is the archer's paradox. This idea that when you're aiming a bow, an older style bow like Hawkeye uses, these recurve bows, these long bows, the the bow itself is in the way of where you're trying to aim. <laughs> mm -hmm. The string goes straight at the, the, the bow. And so there's this fascinating bit of physics that the bow, the arrow bends around the bow, but still goes straight 
somehow, which, oh, that's, yeah, you yeah. know, as it, it's so bizarre, but that's how it works. And, you know, Hawkeye is a master of this. The, the shows, you know, you talk about his accuracy, but it, again, it goes back to what I said earlier. Hawkeye has a level of super strength being that accurate with, with your aim with a bow, being able to pierce Chitari armor and with a bow that requires a level of strength and superness that shows that Hawkeye, while not being super powered, he is super skilled and a super impressive archer. Well, I mean, you know, when you even look at, you know, let's look at the, the, you know, the wild West, for example, you know, people would shoot a bow from back of a horse. It's hard to shoot a rifle, especially a bow from the back of a horse, much less running through, you know, around a bunch of people or in a crowd. You know, Hawkeye shoots he shoots an arrow without looking. I mean, it's one thing to do a no-look pass. You know, Muggsy Bogues, I mentioned earlier, did a lot of no-look passes in the NBA, <laughs> but it didn't have a point on it, and it couldn't have pierced the heart of one of his teammates, you know, like Larry Johnson. Uh, that didn't happen, you know. <laughs> but I think the connection, again, to sports, you know I love to make it, but I think it, it's really important here is that, when it comes to super accuracy, anyone who's incredibly gifted at anything, whether it be calculations or sports, time in a weird way slows down for them because their brain has to process less. You know, the first time you try something, it's it's difficult and, you know, things are are kind of all over the place. As you, If you're in the middle of a basketball game and you don't know what's going on, it seems really frantic, right? If you're familiar with it, if you're good at it, everything is just slows down, you know? Uh, it's why every day I walk through life and I feel like it's like molasses, you know? I mean, everything is just super slow <laughs> for me. But you guys know what I'm saying, and I think it's part of that strange uh, you know, side effect of the brain when it's processing information to slow things down that makes it so much easier to be accurate. I mean, tell me, Denon, wouldn't it? Be, I'm not saying you're not physically gifted at archery, but wouldn't it be great if you were at such a level where it seemed like you could almost watch the bow in slow motion go right into the center of that target? Oh, definitely. It, that would be awesome. And occasionally, you know, even someone at my level gets glimpses sure. of that, Dan. But I think something you're talking about, until I actually did archery, right, the idea of a no-look shooting or the famous Zen archers who would fire at targets they, quote, couldn't see was a total mystery to me. But I've actually um, understood it better because I do do what's called instinct shooting. So I don't actually have a sight on my bow. Um, and when I first started, I was making the mistake of attempting to aim. And as <laughs> you know, Dan, from the sports is that analogy. Really a mistake? Is it? No, here's uh -huh. the mistake, right? If you are a pitcher, what is the number one advice you're given as a pitcher when throwing strikes? Don't aim the ball, just throw it. Okay. I've never been a pitcher. I'm just amazed by it. Is that really? That is really the true advice. Oh, okay. Because right? if sense. you try and aim your throw okay. is when you mess up all of your mechanics. It's all muscle memory. So the first thing you do Makes in sense. shooting a bow is you really just train your body more than you're, you're aiming to know, okay, this set of pulls, holds, and where my body is, the arrow goes there and so on. And it's repeat, repeat, repeat. Um, and it is an amazing experience when you really are just feeling the bow, holding it in the right spot, let it go, and it hits the center of the target. Um, and, and that was something I did not understand until I actually did archery. So when I watch Hawkeye make some of these amazing shots, it's really the muscle memory that all great athletes have. I love what you're saying there, Denon, about this, this instinct, because it goes to show, it goes back to a little bit ago what Dan said with the shooting off a horse, of horseback. We see this 
Also with Kate Bishop shooting off the side of a car while <laughs> Hawkeye is, you know, stunt driving through the, <laughs> through, you know, yeah. running away from the yeah. uh, tracksuit uh, mafia bros. You know, th- this... Yeah. There's this level of skill that Hawkeye, that uh, Clint Barton and Kate Bishop have where, you know, even hanging out the side of a car, they're still able to make the shots they need to make. And it just goes to show that this is skill. This is instinct. This is something that even though this is a new experience, I, I hope for her. I hope she's never hung out <laughs> the side of a car to shoot an arrow. Uh, but yeah. even then, she has the mechanics. She knows what to do and she's able to be on point even in this new environment. And actually, Dan, I will have to say, it also goes to show how important in everything in life, core strength is what matters. So all <laughs> of you out there doing your physical training, we all know that the center of, of your body is your core. Make sure you're doing your planks. Make sure you're doing your crunches and sit-ups. Because if you're going to be shooting your arrow out of the car, it's your core that's going to stabilize you. Not saying I've done it, but I can tell from the video clip <laughs> that that is what you're going to need. Right. It's more theory than experience is what you say it did it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's great. You know, it's actually funny when you look at like athletes from the 40s and 50s. They're just gigantic. Gigantic on top. They look, you know, they look like uh, reverse pairs. They're just gigantic on top, and there's no strength, there's no muscle. That's weird. Uh, anyway, that's a whole different topic. But you know, I, I I like what you're saying, and I think there is a physical aspect to this, obviously, you know. But the other kind of cool thing here is what makes Hawkeye Hawkeye, and it's these trick arrows. There are so many different capabilities of his arrows. I'm not a hundred percent sure how he even keeps track of them all simply by touch. You know, we see him label them with like a 1970s label maker, which, you know, I love, uh, but I don't understand how that keeps things in order. You see, I, I thought it'd be Braille or something that you have like Braille on the back, which seems to me like the way you would do it, but I'm not Hawkeye. Um, and he, he designs these arrows by himself. This was, you know, uh, kind of amazing to me because not only does he have to think of them, he has to put them into use. So Ben, I'm going to go to you first as our engineer. Uh, this must have impressed you uh, and maybe hopefully inspired you. Well, inspire, yes, but not from a making weapons of war standpoint. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I thought you know, I thought your 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 world domination plans. I'm sure they could use a trick arrow or two. Well, unfortunately, I I don't have half of Hawkeye's power, which is the ability to arch do archery very well. Uh, I, I like that. I think you've cloned something new, Ben. The ability to arch, to arch. To yeah, arch. you got to arch. Yeah, you I probably can't, can't do arch, that either. Can't shoot a trick arrow. My, my plank. I need to work on my core too. Uh, but but it goes to show that Hawkeye has two superpowers. One is his archery skill, but the other is he's he's an incredible engineer, just like Spider Man, just like. Iron Man, he's putting these these trick arrows together himself. And I, I think you you brought up an excellent point there, D- D- Dan. He's also an expert organizer or memorizer because he's <laughs> able to keep track of where all the arrows are in his quiver uh, just yeah. by touch. You know, clearly him and Kate, they must make some sort of mental map of where each arrow yeah. is in the quiver so that they're not pulling the wrong one. Although I feel like there's a gag at one point where he does shoot the wrong one. And, there can and be you know what fun stuff happens. This is something I loved about the TV show, Dan. Like if you uh-huh. remember in Avengers, he actually had a fancy quiver um, that mm-hmm. automated all of this for him, and he could click through the arrows right. and and get it quite quickly, um, which I did enjoy. But you know, the longtime fans of this show know we are fan faves of low tech solutions. 
And Absolutely. so in this in this TV show where he had to go to the the mm-hmm. you know the label stickers. Um, yes, yes. I, I think the reason he didn't do Braille was they didn't do Braille with those label stickers. It was his only choice. Yeah. So he had yeah. to feel the letters. I mean, at least at least it's raised letters. All right. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. Those labels yeah. are raised. You can get them by touch. I will say, because one thing I've done with my um um, collaborator in archery, Kimberly Denon, relation, um, not no uh-huh. relation, um, right. is have um, time contests of how fast we could shoot our arrows and then how accurate they would be. And I will tell you, the hardest thing for me is pulling the freaking arrows out of the quiver. Um, shooting yeah. quickly yeah. is not a problem. Well, I mean, it's a problem, but, you know, it's solvable. Um, I think Hawkeye's fourth superpower and Kate Bishop's is getting arrows out of the quiver quickly and onto the bow. I am super impressed by that. He <laughs> must spend hours just pulling arrow, pulling arrow, pulling arrow, um, practicing yeah. that because that is not easy. Yeah, it, it is a very awkward motion reaching over your back like that and pulling you know, an arrow out. It's, and it's got to be even worse with Haw- Hawkeye where you got these trick arrows that have bombs on them or whatever. And, you know, you, you do it wrong and you set off a bomb on your back. Yeah, we never see him pull one out, realize it's the wrong one and put it back in and pull the other one out. Yeah. Right? So there, like you mentioned, then, and there's two problems. It's the complexity, the, the physical complexity of pulling it out quickly. And then you got the accuracy hurdle of making sure you got the right one, which I'm telling you, there's there's this really cool kind of theme that, uh, you know, the, a lot of the heroes in this in this um, show have, have disabilities. And, you know, it seems like Braille would be, you know, a perfect solution to this. You know, I mean, he's he's a little hard of hearing. So. So he doesn't have that sense kind of getting in the way. Um, I feel like Braille is the perfect solution. If you guys are watching this, Hawkeye, come on. You got I feel like I can help. I can make you even more powerful. Even though you're an Avenger, you're probably number seven. I think I can move you up to number five or six. Uh, I think I can get you ahead of Tony Stark. I, I thought he was number uh, one, Dan. Uh, well, he is. I, I'm talking about in the worldview, in the world. Uh, gotcha. Of, okay. Okay. I mean, because here's the truth, Dan. You know, if you're going to bring this up, I, I got to mention this. If you're going to do Hawkeye versus Hulk, we know who's going to win that. Hawkeye versus Thor. Unfortunately, we know who's going to win. Who do I like? Who's the coolest? It's Hawkeye for sure, given his skill set. But I mean, if we're going one on one here, if we're going to channel fascinating fights, then in Hawkeye versus, unfortunately, Hawkeye versus any other member of the Avengers, I think loses unless he can create the proper antidote trick arrow, which may be possible. Maybe he's got that little bit of Batman in him. Um, but that's I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm talking. Uh, about oh, a turn. I, I, I think I think Dan, not to distract us real quickly. Yeah, I think he yeah. wins with the right arrow. I think you've actually nailed it at the end. You got yourself to the victory out of the hole. Um, yeah. Yeah, but 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 I know that's a different I shot a show. Shovel arrow so, and dug myself out of that. Yep, yep. I think outside of Thor, he could probably take on any adventure. I mean, you know, Iron Man. He, you know, bomb arrow is gonna. You know, he, I think he could engineer an arrow that could take out the armor. He could certainly hit Spider Man and Black mm-hmm. Widow. Well, Black Widow is another. You know, we're we're kind of discounting Black Widow here because she's also a non super superhero. But really, the Hulk. You know, he could have a calming gas. I think mm. it's really just Thor. You know, I think he's going to have trouble with the, the God of thunder. That's his only real problem there. Yeah. I think you might be right. Well, and, and I think one of the tricks here to get us back on, on track here is when, <laughs> when you're looking at the trick arrows, right. And you, if you're trying to you know, manipulate them and create them for each one of the Avengers, let's say you still have to create this contraption, this thing on the front of the arrow. And I, I have to say, you know, Denny, you talk about, you know, muscle memory that, that that's formed by repeated use if you've got these contraptions and they all are different on the front end and they're all, you know, a bow and arrow is a lot about weight. And, you know, besides having the arrow head on the front of an arrow, 
it's all kind of uniform, right? You, you know, having a, an arrow that is designed with a gigantic metal thing on the front, I feel like that might throw off the balance here. I'm not 100% sure, but there at least has to be a consideration. No, it definitely is. And so I watched very carefully that final battle scene in the finale mm -hmm. and also the creation of the arrows. And what I was fascinated by, which I thought was a, 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 a good thing they did, the arrowheads... You know, the trick is they, they really are good at miniaturization. So one thing we'll have to ask is where does some of this stuff fit in the arrowhead? Because they yeah. were very aware that the size of the arrowhead can matter. Um, also, obviously, it can affect the aerodynamics. Um, and it can affect, um, like you said, the weight and the balance of how the arrow tips. Now, a lot of this would be matching the rest of the arrow design because to get the center of mass in the right place, you just distribute mass along the arrow shaft differently. So you just align the arrow shaft to the arrow head. That part's easy. Um, you align the overall weight to the weight of your bow. That part is easy, again, by taking mass in and out. I think it's the same issue um, that Batman often has with a lot of things in the utility belt is, does that all really fit in the size of the arrowhead? So as we get to specifics... Yeah. To me, the only real physics limitation of most of these trick arrows was, can all that stuff fit in the arrowhead? That's interesting. And I think, you know, I think, and I want to ask you this, Ben, because I'm guessing that there must be a standard size for that tip that he then fits everything into. I think there is a standard size for, to some degree, for the trick arrows. They all kind of seem to be about the same uh, size for like the bomb arrow, the gas arrow, the goo arrow, and et cetera. But I think Denon raised the really important point there of the weight and the weight distribution. It's that bows are designed with a specific pull strength. And for Hawkeye to be accurate uh, across all of these uh, different arrows, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to guess he's making it a little easy on himself by having all the arrows weigh the same and have the same weight distribution. I mean, if they don't, that just shows his skill even more that he's able to adjust on the fly to all these different arrows. But I'm guessing to make things easy, they're all the same weight. That way he only has to think about, uh, is this the right arrow for the job? Not how do I aim this specific arrow for the job? And there are some that can be slightly off, Ben, because let's face it, with the bomb arrow, you don't have to be nearly as accurate as with some other arrows. So, he, <laughs> so, so Dan, yeah. to be fair, he has a little weight variation he's allowed. Not a lot, but he is allowed some. <laughs> Well, don't forget, Kate's also shooting these around too, and she's not she's not Hawkeye. So well, they, you know, they design special ones for Kate, and they do have to be careful which ones they give her. I thought that was more just so she didn't get the you know horribly dangerous ones, but yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah, I thought the explosion ones are probably a little bit out of her yeah. out of her skill set. Um, but you know what isn't out of her skill set, uh, Denon? I'm looking at you. Are those gigantic foam arrows? You know, we're going to talk about some of the trick arrows here because there's a lot of physics here. So I think they call it putty, but you, Denon, you and I both know that's foam. Oh, that was clearly purple foam. Um, mm -hmm. And really, putty is just a form of denser foam. Um, and so we love that that's one of the first trick arrows we see in this. Um, and it does, you know, it's, it's a safety device, right? It covers right. the car's window, um, making the car less safe to d drive, but you safer. Um, so mm -hmm. once again, it's a safety device for you, <laughs> a, a common use of foam. Yeah. 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 I, I love that. That's great. So you're saying that it creates a, um, a cushion inside. So when you crash, you're just gently caressed by the foam instead of um, shattered glass. Exactly. Yeah. That is that is a useful fe feature for the for the for the foam arrow slash, you know, goo arrow. <laughs> yeah. It also goes to show a little bit of how Hawkeye has, you know, come up with some less than lethal uh, options 
for you know his his post Ronin self, where he's trying to be less of a weapon, less of a killer. You know, he's got some good options for when you know he has to solve a problem without just blowing something up. I I really like that aspect of his his new you know lease on life, if if you will. <laughs> no, I, I like sure. that a lot. But I will say, just quickly going back, the foam is the ideal arrow for solving the volume problem. Because we know yeah. the, the elements of the foam are way smaller than the volume of the foam itself. So it's ideal for being in an arrowhead. Yeah. And I loved I loved that part of it. And the same thing is true with, he has a lot of gas-based, you know, arrows. And I think it all kind of fits into that same, uh, you know, that same world. Uh, but one that fits in another world we talked about, and that's the plunger arrow. You know, in a lot of ways, this is kind of the joke. Um, but, you know, we talked about the power of plungers in our Goonies episode. You know, I, I happen to love plungers, you know, both because <laughs> they make both because they make a fun sound, but they're also very useful and they stick to stuff without having to use an adhesive. But I feel like there's something advanced going on here that even data from Goonies would be amazed with. Well, it's clearly an awesome plunger because all of those sort of dark Darts and arrows, I used it as a kid that for safety were just plungers and not arrowheads, mm -hmm. never yep. stuck to anything, Dan. So, <laughs> right, yeah. so clearly this is an advanced plunger. Um, what I am fascinated by is he has a, only a single plunger arrow. And because um, Kate accidentally uses it in the wrong situation, he has to put life and limb at risk and run and recover it um, and to use it in the appropriate moment. Right. But I will right. point out, that is the advantage I mentioned earlier of arrows over bullets. You can recover them and they are reusable. Well, I think that that also just goes to show Hawkeye having so many cool options that he doesn't have room for duplicates. He's got he's just got to, <laughs> you know, he he knows he only needs one plunger arrow because he can always get it back. So he only brings one. <laughs> well, and, and I think, you know, that's important because one of the things that we see multiple times, right, and that you can't recover are these acid arrows. Uh, you know, this is similar to the gas, you know, similar to the foam, but there's, you know, there, there's a level of danger here that should it break, you know, you have to make sure that that, you know, the, so here's the weird thing. Arrows are meant to be broken, right? If you have something trapped inside a flask or whatever in the tip of the arrow, you got to break the arrow. Otherwise, it's a dud. Uh, but also handling it, you know, as we see a couple times where Kate gets a little funny with the little little fresh with the arrows, um, you know, Hawkeye's like, hey, take it easy. You don't want that thing to, to shatter on you. That's the scary part, especially when you're dealing with acids. You know, Denon, as a guy who has run a lab before with, I'm sure he had, you know, a couple of, you know, crazy students who like to tinker with things when they probably shouldn't. Uh, I was never in your class, but I probably would have been one of those guys. <laughs> Acid is something you got to keep a close eye on. I know you're not a chemist, but it has to have come up. Oh, well, we definitely used acid. It, it's very good actually for cleaning certain things we had to do. And, and a key thing about acid that we often forget is it doesn't attack everything. Um, mm -hmm. And I think this is where quiver design becomes important. Um, safety right. measures and double measures, you know, we know um, Ben can tell us you always engineer for over-designed failure. I am sure it, you have to put the acid arrows in the right part of the quiver because if they do accidentally break, um, just like the bomb arrows, you don't want exploding on your back. You don't want the acid leaking onto your back. So I assume this is all about quiver design, Ben, and, and, and then you're fine with safety. Well, let me say one other thing, Ben, because the other thing you don't want an acid arrow to do is because they're pointed down. I'm sure we've all had a pen in our pocket and it's leaked and gone down. You don't want the acid to go to the bottom of your quiver, eat the hole there, and then all your arrows fall out. And then you're, you know, when you're reaching back, you're coming up empty. Yeah, I have to assume the acid arrow, the acid is contained in like a glass ampule 
uh, that shatters on impact. And so there's no real risk of it leaking unless you jostle it too much. So I'm guessing this is part of the quiver organization superpower of Hawkeye mm-hmm. in that he probably has slots down there that are probably acid proof, maybe even bomb proof. Who knows where, you know, certain arrows fit into certain, um, you know, catches inside the quiver that can protect the quiver in case there's an accident uh, from, uh, you know, some jostling <laughs> as you are uh, in battle. Yeah, because an ampule, you know, they're they're not they're not impervious. It's not an impervious ampule. You know, I think we can. Well, that's that's here. the whole point. You want it to be as fragile, just fragile enough, or just strong enough that it'll only that it'll break at the right moment. And, and right. clearly, part of the solution here, Dan, is um, a a foam piece in your quiver that it's going in because we know foam is very. Um, resistant and safety minded, um, as well as some other like glass layers that are very solid um, and acid resistant other materials. So you can actually, I think, make a very safe quiver. Um, But definitely as a last resort, I make sure the bottom of my quiver um, is acid resistant um, because you're right, Dan, the last thing you want is all your arrows coming out the bottom. (laughs) Yeah, definitely not. Uh, But, you know, acid, any dope can use an acid arrow. I mean, I can probably, you know, I think I think he destroys a a street light with an acid arrow. You know, with a little bit of skill, I could do that. But what I probably couldn't do um, is design a rocket powered arrow and bolus uh, because there's one scene where where an arrow goes out and wraps around a guy's legs and then the rocket kicks in and, you know, flies him up I'm sure not into outer space I don't think he leaves orbit um, but it's it's a really cool and clever trick arrow you know Ben as our rocket engineer I feel like either you have something in the works and you thought <laughs> this was gimmick infringement or you really like it and are going to incorporate it in your plans going forward yeah I, I really liked this one because uh, it, it, it seems like one of the more practical possibilities uh, here I mean obviously acid arrows would be trivial for us to make. I don't know if we could get an acid as strong as the acid we see in the show. But this rocket arrow, you know, it's kind of easy to imagine an arrow that could design, that could uh, entangle your legs when it hits your legs. And then it doesn't take a very large rocket to lift you. So I could totally see this happening. And I I just like this arrow a lot because it's fun and it dispatches the bad guy without, you know, probably just breaks some bones, doesn't kill him. It's, it's some good stuff so that uh, justice can, uh, you know, take course after the battle. Depends on how high he goes, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. That's why I'm saying it probably doesn't go too high because, you know, a rocket that can lift you, uh, uh, that's strong enough to lift you, isn't going to be, is going to be very big if it can lift you very far. <laughs> yeah, and I also think, Dan, the, my only concern with this from a physics point of view um, well, one, as, as Ben just implied, right, is can you make a big enough rocket, right? That's the real challenge, that it doesn't totally mess up the flight of the arrow, et cetera. But mm-hmm. I also think the direction of the rocket um, after you've um, entangled the bad guy could be a bit problematic because you really, this is the one part of aiming you have no control over. You really don't know which direction your rocket arrow is facing after the entanglement. Um, so you do run the risk of simply <laughs> right. um, driving the bad guy um, against the ground, which would do nothing, um, dragging them along the ground, which would presumably be okay. What would worry me is if they suddenly ended up closer to you, right? If the rocket was pointed at you <laughs> and they came flying at you as a projectile. So there is some right. risk in this um, that I think the general physics of which way your arrow is pointing at the end of the shot 
um, is is problematic. Well, and I remember, you know, if you ever shot bottle rockets off, you know, they, they've got a very unpredictable pattern once they leave that bottle. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking of. Well, I think you can be somewhat uh, trustworthy that the arrow is going to end up in the 180 degrees away from you, <laughs> most likely, as long as the if, if the rockets aimed in the direction the arrow's going, I think you'll be mostly all right. <laughs> mostly all right. You know, again, bottle rockets are kind of unpredictable, uh, but you. But I think you're. I think you're right. It's going to be away from you. You don't. You may not know the final destination, but do you need to know? Um, and the last one, you know, we talk about a lot of a lot of these arrows. In some ways, it's weird that we're talking about non-lethal arrows, and a lot of these are essentially non-lethal. But one of the ones that I thought was a little crazy, you know, a little dark for Hawkeye, was the uh, an arrow that basically freezes one of the guy's legs. Um, so first of all, you have to shoot it into his leg, which is you know kind of out of character, except for you know the immobilizing one in hands and stuff like that. You don't see a lot of that, but also it freezes his leg. It, it, you got to imagine. Imagine if it's actually frozen, that's the end of his leg. It's got to be amputated. Uh, you know, Denon, you know, you talked a lot about using liquid nitrogen. I imagine there's some level of nit- some something similar to that here. But also you understand just how dangerous freezing something to that level can be. Oh, definitely. I definitely thought immediately of liquid nitrogen um, being contained in the arrow. Um, You know, the challenge is building a sufficiently insulated arrow to keep the liquid nitrogen while you're going and the amount of liquid nitrogen you might need. Again, this is a content issue. Um, There is also a little bit of thermal conductivity issues of how quickly the liquid nitrogen frees the leg. I think this is one part of the TV show where there's a little dramatic license. Um, I've definitely stuck lots of things in liquid nitrogen from flowers to leaves to graham crackers um, to grapes to bananas um, that I then shatter um, to prove how, how beautifully these things shatter. And it does take, you know, a little bit of time. You can't just like dip it in, pull it out and it's frozen. So I, I think the time scale was a little enhanced. Um, what's interesting to me is the leg would probably just freeze. You wouldn't actually see the ice on the outside. Um, if you were using a liquid nitrogen leg, um, liquid nitrogen, liquid nitrogen <laughs> arrow, because you're yeah. releasing it inside the person's leg. But yeah. general concept and principle, it is an intriguing immobilization technique. So I will I will say that I do like that feature. I, I think, though, it doesn't have to be liquid nitrogen. You know, if I think about, uh, you know, there's there's devices, you know, if, if you think about like the cans of air and if you flip them upside down and, and fire them, they turn into like really cold sprays. You know, this could be a system where you have a highly compressed liquid or gas in the arrow that when it expands really quickly upon the arrow breaking, that's where the chilling comes from. And it doesn't have to be something that would be boiling in the quiver, which is what would happen with the liquid nitrogen and would make a not an unstable arrow that could potentially explode. Oh, that's interesting. Now, I do have one question, Denny. You said you dipped all kinds of things into liquid nitrogen. Um, what is the difference between dipping a graham cracker into liquid nitrogen and smashing it or just smashing a graham cracker? Oh, no. Graham crackers, to be very clear, Dan, that's not for smashing purposes. Um, you dip graham crackers in liquid nitrogen and have kids take a bite out of them. Uh, and freeze their mouth shut. And then smoke comes out their nose. Smoked, like the condensation, because their <laughs> breath gets so cold. So for uh. Southern California children who have not experienced winter... Um, (laughs) they find it very fascinating. Um, They think they're dragons. You know, they think they're fire breathing. Um, It does run into the danger that occasionally the kid goes home and says, Professor Denon came and visited our school and taught us how to smoke today. Um, That that is a, 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 you know, misleading um, moment that you want to avoid. (laughs) 
Uh, I thought you were trying to freeze their mouths shut, and I think that's no. also useful uh, in school. No, that that would be dangerous. I, I've managed to do this for many, many years for many, many children, and luckily never actually freeze anybody's like tongue or lips or anything dangerous like that. That's good. That's good. I, I, the parents appreciate that. That's your commitment <laughs> to excellence. Uh, it is. It is. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to say one thing before we leave here, you know, and we talk about how the bow and arrow is a very primitive weapon, you know, one of the first projectile weapons, you know, but before people were using um, bows and arrows and these primitive things, they were covering themselves. You know, shirts, I think, are in some way some <laughs> of the most primitive objects known to man. Um, but we have some advanced shirts. This is an emoji. I think that's about as advanced as you can get. One of the emoji shirts that's available on our website. Uh, that's something you can cover your body with. So if you want to feel primitive, um, buy one of these new shirts and fit right in with a bow and arrow. You know, Dan, I think another early um, technology was making um, clay cups and mugs. Oh, interesting. Yes. Yeah, I love and that so one. you can do that. And, and an advanced technology is to put cool things on it like... Yeah. I am the physics phenom, or I am a physics phenom. Yeah, that is a brilliant mug. I love that mug uh, for sure. Well, and you can also get in touch with you know, the past by drinking water like they did in the past using your fancy, uh, fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technology water bottle. Absolutely. And drinking water is not just a thing of the past. It is a thing of the future. I highly recommend you get eight cups a day. You can find all of those items on our merchandise store. Uh, it's fgbt.com slash merch. You can find it all right there. Uh, but if we've missed anything that we want to talk about, here's the point for it. This is our Airs Editions of Missions section. Things we wanted to talk about, but we didn't quite get to. Denon, is there anything else you wanted to briefly mention about Hawkeye? Well, there's two things, really. One is watching Hawkeye made me really wonder, can you really shoot two arrows at the same time? And and I now have experimental evidence that you can. And as I was famously quoted as saying, you know, from the physics, I can't see anything that would go wrong. And it turned out I was right. There was nothing that went wrong. Um, the arrows <laughs> did actually go forward, and they did both go into the large target. We will try and get film evidence of this um, for, for the audience. Um, the other thing that I was really fascinated by was the opening sequence where Kate um, takes out the bell tower. You know, that is kind of a fun physics moment. I think shooting an arrow with a tennis ball at the end is an interesting thing. Um, I would say there's great physics when she hits the bell and the arrow just bounces off. Um, that yeah. was probably an appropriate momentum level. I actually did like her arrow with the little clippy thing. I think the arrow was probably going fast enough to ring the ringer. I'm very yeah. happy with that part. I have absolutely no idea, Dan, why the bell would then fall off and break. Um, <laughs> right. That was clearly a bell tower that no one had done a safety check on in many years. Um, no one had tried to ring in many years. Um, if the mere ringing of the bell um, brings down the bell tower, you know there is something rotten <laughs> up in the top piece of that bell. Um, yeah. And I really question the school's safety uh, measures. And I don't think Kate should have gotten in trouble at all. I think whoever's in charge of safety and maintenance of that bell tower really is the responsible person in this case. So that is just uh, that's just what I have to say there. I couldn't agree with you more. And speaking of safety and responsibility, Denon, I know you shot two arrows. I expressed reticence uh, about your safety uh, when doing that. I suggested something that was probably a little more safe for the three of us would be to put an apple on Ben's head and you try to shoot that. Um, <laughs> he had uh, reservations with that, uh, which is why you did the double arrow thing. Uh, but Ben, besides... Oh, wait, you know, Dan, I do want to say, since safety is so important, I did choose to do the adult thing and not do this in front of any children. I did not want to inspire... <laughs> Um, youth you. going crazy. So yeah. uh, in case the audience was concerned about that. 
You didn't want to inspire anyone like Hawkeye did with with Kate. You didn't want anyone yeah. shooting their younger brother with two arrows. Uh, that's a good good safety feature there. Now, what about you, Ben? Is there anything besides not getting an apple shot off your head that you wanted to mention about Hawkeye? Well, yeah, I mean, I got to reiterate what Denon said first. You know, this that was totally not Kate's fault. If the bell can't be rung, uh, <laughs> that is not her fault. She should have never gotten in trouble. If anything, they should have thanked her for exposing the poor maintenance system at the school. Uh, but yeah. the other thing I really liked that we didn't really touch on is Hawkeye's, uh, the, his, the foldable arrows. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. goofy, these, or not arrow, the foldable bow, that, you know, they're walking around a lot of the time with these giant bows, but I like how, you know, there's these cool folds in it, and I, I could see that you could actually probably make a recurve bow work that way. Um, you might lose a little bit of the power, but... It's a good it's just a good show that Hawkeye is being tactical and he's able to bring his bow wherever he needs to. He doesn't have to worry about oversized checked luggage. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. he, he, he's he's a pro and he knows what he's doing. Yeah, I'm guessing you can't just like you can't walk into a plane with a gun. I'm guessing you can't walk onto a plane with, with bow and arrows. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't have any knowledge base for that. Um, I had a couple of great things here. Um, first of all, who doesn't love Lucky the One-Eyed Pizza Dog? I mean, mm. oh my God, that dog is adorable. Uh, number one, number two, I love that when they're they're running t- uh, to escape, they, uh, Kate and Hawkeye run through a parking lot with a bunch of cars. They go past this beautiful 72 Challenger and Kate says, hey, let's take the car. And Hawkeye looks at her and in his beautiful appreciation for fine automotives, he said, I'm not smashing a 72 Charger. Uh, <laughs> that's great. Uh, you know, uh, then there's a, a musical, a Captain America musical. Uh, just watching Hawkeye watch that New York style Broadway musical was really funny. Uh, and of course, you know, you got LARPing in this. Uh, you got yep. people sword fighting and forcing, you know, Hawkeye, who's kind of too cool for school in this one, uh, having to go and, and do a little LARPing. So, so Dan, uh, did you yeah. catch that the Charger does get destroyed at the end and yes. Hawkeye goes so much for protecting the Charger. <laughs> yeah, but why wouldn't you want to be the one driving it? It's a beautiful no, car. I, and, and I totally get it, but I one. think it's funny that he has the line later on yeah. of, well, so much for the Charger. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you should have taken it, Hawkeye. Uh, yeah, that, that did that. It's, oh, those are such a beautiful piece of machinery. Um, but, you know, if you want to, if we've missed anything else, if there's any other beautiful automotive that you want to discuss, I do, I am partial to the uh, 60s um, must things. You can get in touch with the show. We're on Facebook at FGGBT. We're on Twitter at FGGBT pod. But you can get in touch with us individually. Dennett, where can people find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Just flip my name. It's at Denon Michael. And then on Facebook at Prof Denon Michael. Ben, where can people find you? You can find me on all the major social media networks at BSeepser. How do you spell that? You spell that B-S-I-E-P-S-E-R. And I can be found on Twitter at Daniel J. Glenn, on Instagram at The Daniel J. Glenn, on Facebook at Analytical Mastermind. And if you want to send us an email, we've got we've got a place for that too. Questions at FGGBT.com. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, make sure you rate and review and make sure you're subscribed. And if you're watching us on YouTube, hit that like button, subscribe, and ring that bell so you never miss an episode and you help us out with that algorithm. And finally, this show contains powerful scientific information that can be misused by those hell-bent on world domination. Now, you need to pick a side here, guys. And I always say, you want to remember, always be a superhero, never be a supervillain. So until next time, thank you for listening.
Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. Now, of course, if you're listening to this episode and you've gotten this far, you're going to want to subscribe. Well, how do you do that? We're on all the major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. But if you're not already subscribed to those platforms, I made it easy for you. Go to our website, ftriplegbt.com. You'll find links to those subscribe buttons and also links to our social media, both for the show and for our individual experts, the members of the Brain Trust. That's all right there ftriplegbt.com. And before you leave, don't forget to check out our other episodes. You can find the link at the top of the page for everything we've got, and you'll notice that we've got both a YouTube version and an audio-only version, depending on what you like. We got it for you, and if you do like those videos, you can go ahead and subscribe to those as well. We're on youtube.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn. And once again, if you like this show, you're going to like everything that I do. Go to danieljglenn.com to find out more. Thank you for listening.